Welcome to the Mark of a Leader podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Fernandez. We're here with CEO and Chief Storyteller, Doug Keeley. Doug, thank you for being here. Danielle, it's a pleasure as always. Today, we're going to be speaking about the Storyteller's Toolbox. I'm really looking forward to this, so uh, take it away, Doug. Well, uh, I'm a musician, as many of you know, and I like to use the analogy that learning to be a storyteller is a lot like learning to play a musical instrument. And here's why that is. So say you decided you want to be a guitar player. Um, what do you do? Well, you sit down and if you're smart, you, le- you learn a little music theory so you understand what you're doing. You understand chords and melodies and, and so on. And uh, you sit down and practice. You buy a guitar or get a guitar and you learn a few chords and, uh, and, and you practice. And then uh, you learn a song. Uh, in the course of doing that, you know, smoke in the water is something really simple. And then you practice some more, you learn some more chords, you learn some more songs. And uh, you do that for 10,000 hours and you're the Beatles, right? It's really simple. And, uh, but but it, it, it works in a very simple process, a very predictable process. And I think storytelling is exactly the same thing. So number one, I'm asked often, is storytelling something you're born with as a skill uh, or not, and I think anyone can be taught, taught storytelling in the same way um, anyone can be taught to play an instrument. You start with some basic theory around storytelling, then uh, you start a few stories, and I suggest that stories from your own life and experience is a good place to start. You practice them in front of a mirror, you, in front of your spouse or kids or friends or whatever, try them out a little bit, you learn some more, you learn a little more theory, You develop your ear so that you can hear a story when someone tells it. Uh, You start recording them, uh, you're writing them or doing them uh, on video on your phone or audio. It doesn't matter how you record them as long as you you capture them. Uh, Build up a library, you you practice over and over and over again. And over time, as I say, 10,000 hours in the Beatles. So I think they're very similar that way. So you touched on it, but we know there are natural storytellers. You're one who have the gift of the gab, and others who will just never get it then? No, I don't think there's any any people who will never get it. I, I don't think that's true at all. I think we're all storytellers. I think we're all natural storytellers. Um, you know, some people are more inclined to it in the same way that some people are inclined to play sports or play music or, you know, are are nerds and and really understand technology. But I I do think uh, we all have the capacity uh, to be good storytellers. And it's a matter of whether we take it seriously and put some work into it, to be honest. I I love to tell the story about um, one of our uh, old clients who um, was a senior executive at a very large organization and a Scotsman. And we, my agency, worked with him for many, many years, producing big sales events and so on around the world. And uh, his name was Ian. And, and Ian was what appeared to be just a natural storyteller, where many of his contemporaries had tons of slides with bullet points, and they used teleprompters. Ian had just come out and talk, and he was the sales leader, so the salespeople loved him because, you know, he was just very spontaneous and very natural. And because he was Scottish, he had a whole library of Robbie Burns stories, and he'd pull these Robbie Burns stories out during his presentations at these big sales conferences, and and they were marvelous. And people, you could hear a pin drop as he told these stories. But he looked uh, like he was just winging it. 
And I worked with him for enough years that I, I saw a pattern. And the pattern was that um, he was always the first guy to come to the cocktail party to kick off the sales conference, but he was also the first guy to leave. And so he'd come and you know, meet with all the team and, and hang out, but he'd leave early the night before um, his presentation, and he'd go back to his room, and he'd literally practice his presentation over and over and over again so that he could do it without needing a teleprompter and without needing a whole lot of slides, where, as you all know, sad, tragically, the model today is not presenters figure out what they're going to say and then put visual support to them. They build a whole bunch of slides and then just go and wing it. And uh, Winston Churchill is just rolling over in his grave right now. Um, Churchill saved the world, allegedly spending an hour writing every finished minute of script. And, uh, you know, we'll fight them in the beaches, we'll fight them in the trenches and so on. That stuff didn't come from him just winging it. Uh, he spent hours refining it. And we've re reversed that, and it's one of the big problems with communication in a corporate world. So this guy, Ian, uh, he'd go and he'd practice it over and over and over again so he could tell his Robbie Burns story really succinctly, and he knew exactly what he had to say, and he'd come out, and he was by far the best presenter, had everyone completely engaged. And, uh, and I realized that he made it look effortless. So... Let me do an example, uh, you know, maybe that would be of interest around that. There's a great movie that I tell everyone to watch. It's called Jerry Seinfeld Comedian, and it's on Netflix. And, um, and in this, uh, after Jerry finished his famous TV series, he decided to go back to comedy clubs, but his rule was he'd never do a joke that he had done before. So he had to start from scratch. And it shows the arduous painful process of how comedians, him and many others, write jokes on napkins and little pieces of paper. And Jerry, in this movie, talks about the fact that he'll t work a joke over six months, over and over and over again, lengthening it, add a word, take a word out, stretch it, shrink it, to see how the audience reacts. And, and, and he says, it, it takes me six months to get a joke right. But when you watch Jerry Seinfeld, he's looked like, it looks like half the stuff he's doing is just kind of making it up spontaneously. And I think that's very much the same around being a good storyteller. It takes a lot of work to get to the point where, it's, where you're unconscious about what you're doing. It's like playing music. If you're thinking about the song all the time, you can't play it well. You've got to get it so that it just happens. So where do you get your stories? Well, I get mine from uh, three different places. You know, I, things that happen to me, uh, other people's stories that I hear or that I, I'm told, and then third-party stories, which is movies, books, and things that you read about or find about online. So I think that's probably true of, of anyone. You can find your own stories. And when we teach people about connection stories, I really strongly suggest they spend time to just think back through their life and think about what are the moments, the stories, the people that caused you to make big decisions, because we've all made them. We just kind of forget about them. And what are the stories where you did incredibly stupid things? Because you know what? Sometimes those are useful, not just with your teenage kids, but with, um, with prospects or with salespeople or employees. So your own stories, uh, stories that other people tell you, and then third-party stories, movies, books, and so on. Can't you get sick of the same old stories, you know, both telling them and listening to them? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you don't want someone going, oh, here he goes with the, uh, you know, the, the fishing story again. Oh, my God, please spare us. Uh, that's why I think you got to constantly building, be building your story library. 
same thing. If you got a band and they play, they only got three songs, you're not going to go listen to them play very often. Unless you really loved those songs. Yeah, I know. But even Hey Jude, after enough listening, you go, okay, let's play something else, Paul. So in addition to having a bunch of stories, what else is there? Um, well, we talk about story listening. So how do you recognize a story? And in one of the other podcasts, I riffed a little bit on the fact that most clients, most people in corporate actually don't know what a story is anymore. So we teach a simple idea that all stories start with a time or place. Uh, all stories have people in them. They, they have to have human characters. Uh, and even animated films, the characters are all anthropomorphized so that they're like humans. Uh, they have to have some scenes uh, take place. There has to be typically something unexpected happen. It makes it a better story. And then there has to be a point if you're going to tell it in business. So you're not just telling a story for the sake of. The worst thing as a listener for a story, as you all know, is when someone's telling you a story, and number one, it's too long. And number two, you're sitting there and the little voice inside you is going, where are you going? Where is this going? Like, please put it out of its, its misery. Like, it's going nowhere. So you got to have a point. What else is there? Well, uh, so storytelling, story listening uh, to hear them, and then story triggering. So how do you ask questions to get people to tell you stories? And that's typically by asking open-ended questions, digging in to, find, to get them to explain the moment or the feeling when something happened. And those stories are all there. You just got to ask questions in a way that, they'll, that people will tell them to you. So triggering stories, listening, and remembering stories, and practicing telling them. Uh, yeah, that's it. It sounds really simple, but as I said with, with Seinfeld, it's not simple at all. It's a lot of hard work, and uh, you don't, unfortunately, get to be the Beatles overnight. Only after 10,000 hours. Yeah, I think I kind of beat the 10,000 hours to death, didn't I? Thank you very much, Doug. Uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks, Danielle. That concludes the Mark of a Leader podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.